Welcome to Sweet Bitter, where we explore the untold history of women and queer pirates. We're your hosts, Ellie Brigida. And Elise Noor. Subbing for Lisa today. I'm so happy to be doing an episode with you, Elise. It's going to be so fun. I know. I'm excited, too. Of course, I miss Lisa, but... It's going to be great. Yeah. (laughs) It's big shoes to fill. I know, but I think you can do it. I have faith in you. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. This episode, we're talking some more about the subject of our last episode, which is Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. We're focusing our whole episode on an interview we did with an amazing artist named Amanda Cotton, who created a statue of Anne and Mary. But before we get into that, Ellie, do you want to play some pirate fact or fiction? Oh, yes. I'm so ready for this. But I don't have Lisa to fight with me. So like, what are we going to do? It's just you versus the truth. Yeah, I think I'll fight with myself. I'll argue both sides of the coin. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. So in the movies, you see a lot of pirates, you know, sword fighting. Did they actually sword fight? Okay, so I am going to do, let's go back and forth. I'm going to go no first because I actually think that's the answer. Okay. And the reason that I think that is (laughs) a few different reasons. Number one, I've been watching a lot of Once Upon a Time lately. And in Once Upon a Time, there is the character of Captain Hook. Okay. And one of the recent episodes that I watched, he he, he was challenged to a duel. And in that duel, it was like a gun duel, right? So they like walk and then turn and shoot. And like, that's a thing. So I feel like because historically, we also have like, if you think of Hamilton, the musical, like the musical, but also the real life Hamilton, um, he died in a duel same way. So I feel like that's been happening for a really long time historically. So I do think they fought each other, but not with swords, with guns. That's my official answer, but let me try to argue the yes. Okay, let's hear it. Because going off of my no, if you switch to from guns to swords, if you actually didn't want to kill someone, I think you would do a sword fight. Mm. Because... Like with the sword fight, right? Like you also see that in films, right? Where if you have the sword fight, if you knock the sword out of someone's hand, then you can like, you put the sword up to their throat and you're like, surrender. So (laughs) it's a little less like, okay, you're definitely going to die if you get shot. Not definitely, but higher odds you will die if you get shot. Yeah. So maybe it was like they use sword fights to settle disputes between pirates on board that Mm -hmm. they didn't actually want to kill. They just wanted to like settle something between the two of them and still keep their crew members because they didn't want to be like down a pirate. So those are my two answers. But if I will commit to one, my I'll commit to the no. Okay. Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, like many of these, it's complicated, but mostly Yes, we think they would have dueled and we know they would have sword fought like when they were boarding ships or raiding other ships. So let's talk about the dueling first. So during the 17th and 18th century, duels were like all the rage, just like you see in Hamilton. Everyone was dueling, mostly to protect their honor. And they would use pistols most commonly. So you're 100% right about that. Knew it. Before that, they would have swords, but then they would have pistols. Mostly it was like upper class people, though, and nobility. So, like, yeah, maybe pirates 
caught hold of that and like surely they you know they were drinking all the time and they were aggressive people so surely there must have been must have been duels right but you're on to something about how they wouldn't have wanted to like risk any kind of you know cut or infection or something so it could have just been like fist fights we know that they had swords and carried swords and used swords when they were fighting because i mean have you heard of the cutlass like that yes. that is real they they have those those huge swords that almost look like machetes. And those are really helpful on a pirate ship because they can cut through things like rope or canvas or wood. And you can use them in really close quarters when you're boarding on a pirate ship. So they're just easier to use. And like, you don't have to be well-trained in sword fighting to use a cutlass because you just like hack people with it and you hit them with the hilt in the face and you do stuff like that. So they had really ugly, nasty sword fights when they did have sword fights. It wasn't like... You know, in the movies where they all have those like really long, thin swords and they're doing like acrobatics. It was just much more like brutal and awful. Sounds exciting. I have a question for you in terms of timeline. So you said, what, 17th century is when they started doing pistol duels? Yeah. What's the golden age of piracy? The 17th century. 17th and 8th. Well, like 18th century is the the best time, like early 18th century. So it would have, they would have definitely like, you know, they would have had pistols during that time to be... Oh, totally. Doing having these duels. In fact, okay, Ellie, I'm gonna go on a weird video game tangent because Can't in wait. video games you're always <laughs> you're always holding two guns at once, you know, because it's so badass to hold two guns, like one in each hand. And then everyone's like, that's not realistic. Like you wouldn't wanna have two guns in your hands because blah blah blah. But like during the golden age of piracy, because it took so long to load your pistol, they were dual wielding like crazy. They would have like loaded guns in their pockets and in their hands. And then they'd have their cutlass. So they had, they were just like, and sometimes they'd hold their cutlass in their teeth. So that's where the phrase armed with your teeth, armed to the teeth comes from. So they, they literally had all these loaded pistols and all these knives. And yeah, they were just really, really scary. And a lot of it was for show, right? Because they didn't want to use violence because that was risky for them. So a lot of it was just for intimidation. Well, yeah. And that's what I was saying about like the yes and no, right? I'm like, I feel like even though pirates like... Yeah, you're right. Like, they wanted to scare people, but, like, they really did not want to die. No, yeah. Like, I feel like they were not trying to, like, mess with their lives. Right. They were just, like, trying to trying to make a living, you know. But, I mean, yeah, the, the whole image of them climbing up onto another ship with a cutlass between their teeth is a thousand percent true. Like, that's, that's how they would have, you know, carried that. Because they would need their hands on their guns, just like you said. And then as soon as the gun... You don't have time to reload the gun. That's the big thing, because this is like when you have to put the powder in and you have to, you know, it's very, very complicated. So they just have like seven guns. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, there's like a lot of animals that are not actually that scary, but they try to look as scary as they can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like moths. They have yes. like eyes on their wings. <laughs> right. Like they're trying to look scary, but like they actually can't hurt you. I mean, to be fair, if you have 10 guns on you, you probably can't hurt someone. But I feel like this is it. Like, they're, like, peacocking. A little bit. Yeah. Right? They're, like... Yeah, yeah, it's very campy. Like, they're... (laughs) They've got their big scary flag, and they're, like, oh... I mean, but they would actually fuck you up, right? Unlike a moth, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Elise, for telling me all these things about duels. Yeah. I'm, like, rearranging ready to start a duel right now, except it's, like, not really (laughs) in my personality. But maybe after this... I'll let you know how it goes. Perfect. But for all of you listening, we will be back after a quick break. All right. We are back. Elise, can you tell us a little bit more about what we're talking about today? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a slightly shorter episode today because we're focusing our entire episode on an artist named Amanda Cotton, who has been working on this absolutely breathtaking sculpture of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. And I want to start with a fun fact before you hear from Amanda, which is that just like the pirates we've been talking about all season, Amanda lives on a boat. Very cool. I used to live kind of near the water when I was younger. And then when I moved to London, I kind of, I didn't feel lost, but I just didn't feel like I was at home. And so, yeah, decided to move onto a boat in the middle of London. And it's kind of turned London around for me, really. Like the whole kind of, we live on a marina of lots of people and it's like a little community. And it's not the London I think most people think of when you explain it. So we all talk to each other. It's a little bit like going camping, but we're on the water. (laughs) Well, I graduated about nine years ago I think if my maths is right but I guess I mean to study art I've been studying it years before that until the I actually have a master's in it so I was studying it for about five ten about eleven years in total but I guess the whole way through when you're studying art you you tend to kind of try all the different reams that are possible so textiles graphic design all those kind of different avenues you can go down when I went to university I knew I wanted to do contemporary sculpture but I didn't want to study sculpture. I wanted to learn all the techniques and kind of the processes that went behind the making of it. So I could be as conceptual and kind of out there as I wanted, but still know that I'd technically done it right. So the statue itself is of two female pirates, Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. They were kind of almost lost in history a little bit not that many people seem to know about them a lot like kind of their male counterparts everyone knows Jack Sparrow and all the others but Anne and Mary seem to have been kind of lost along the way so I was commissioned by a company to design a sculpture based on the audiobook called Hellcats it's about their kind of adventure from when they were born they kind of growing up all the way through their love lives until They're kind of when they were captured. And I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story because they'll ruin it. (laughs) Very much like all of my work. I like everything to be very methodical and have a reason and an answer. I don't like anything to be left kind of to chance or without reason, which was actually quite interesting with this one because the two ladies were kind of very impulsive so I was trying to leave some of it kind of as we were creating it the actual process to chance but my research and how I went about it was meant to be quite methodical so I started off reading the script I was really lucky to have a copy of the script before it went out live and I sat and read through all of that and then kind of picked out everything that I felt was relevant to go into the sculpture kind of like their love for the sea the idea that a lot of the book was kind of based on the fact that whenever they were on land they were sad and kind of at points in their life that they didn't necessarily want to be at whereas when they were in the water they were free and happy and that's where they they felt most comfortable so that was really important as well as how kind of two individuals were very very different but then when they came together they were incredibly powerful and their love for one another. It suggested that they were lesbians and that they were lovers, but I'd, I'm not 100% sure whether they were or they weren't. I think they just had a very deep, meaningful love for one another. 
Wow. Ellie, do you think anyone will ever make a sculpture of Sweet Bitter, the podcast? I hope so. <laughs> What's it going to be? All, all three of us, hair blowing in the wind, just like on a beach that sounds great on the isle of lesbos oh yeah any island yeah. really we are very water-based podcast yeah i think lesbos would be <laughs> ideal i just love this idea. i think everything beautiful needs a sculpture to commemorate it everything from history and everything awesome and every podcast agreed i also i mean this sculpture that amanda created is absolutely incredible so we want everyone if you're listening google the sculpture look it up but we're gonna try to describe it to you so do you want to describe the sculpture yeah to me elise and what it looks like paint a word picture for our podcast audience totally so what's on amanda's website which is amandacotton.co.uk is a mock-up of the sculpture which the sculpture is called inexorable and the mock-up what you're looking at is this eight foot tall two abstract figures like eight feet tall united at the hip and the shoulder area and they're staring out at the sea because the the, the mock-up of the sculpture is is up you know on the shore one of them one of the figures has hair that's just blowing wildly in the winds and it looks like she has scars on her back they're just both very tall and and proud and and elegant how would you describe it ellie oh my god you did such a great description but i will (laughs) say i guess another thing is like I do love how they are so connected. Yeah. Because it truly is like you can't ignore the fact that these two women are together. Yes. Yes. Right. And I think like if you look at the landscape, they're right on the water. Mm -hmm. They're also by like the gallows. I don't. Like there's like a pole next to them with like a rope hanging. Right. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's also like indicative of their pirate life. Yeah. So it's like the sculpture is there, but also the scenery really lends to the feeling of the sculpture. You're so right. You're so right. It's very cool. I'm going to let Amanda describe the statue mock-up, you know, a little bit more. Here she is. Originally, I wanted them to go in the water. So the water would flow through them, but where they were meant to go, even if the tide had gone through and was at high tide, you would still be able to kind of see from their shoulders up. So they, I didn't want them to look like they'd drowned. I wanted them to still look kind of tall and proud in the water. So that's why they had to be that high to make sure. So yeah, so I guess when they're just on land, they do seem quite tall, especially I'm only five foot, so they are really tall to me. <laughs> They wanted to be at sea. So it was important to me that the sculpture has, it's always looking out to the water with their backs to the land. So they're always looking outwards. I said, everything's got a reason. Even their um, their shapes. So Mary is meant to kind of be like a flickering flame in her kind of the way her body shape is. And Mary, again, is kind of meant to have kind of that mountain symbol. I tried to make it look like she's almost got padded shoulders in that kind of mountain kind of vibe. So how did Amanda make all of these symbolic decisions? So yeah, obviously going through the book, I was gathering big, big spider diagrams for each of them, picking out their differences and the things that kind of made them the same. And it kind of became very apparent that Anne was very kind of impulsive, She was described as having like fiery hair and every time she went to do something, there wasn't much thought behind it. She just went for it. So 
And she also, although both of them grew up being told to dress as boys, as they got older, Anne decided that she wanted to be a female and dress as a female. So she wore lots of jewellery and luscious clothing and things like that. Whereas Mary was completely the opposite. She, before she went into anything, she thought about it. She was methodical. She continued her lifestyle dressing as a man to the point where she was actually struck, I think it's 35 times, across her back, which meant that she had these incredible scars. But because she wanted to hide the fact she was female, she couldn't have medical attention, which meant that she, yeah, throughout her whole entire life had all these scars across her back, which showed kind of how controlled she actually was kind of in her personality. After I had all of this information, it kind of kind of came out of the idea with the sea and the air and I wanted the water to flow through them because obviously the sea through through the veins and that kind of vibe. So I was looking for some kind of symbolism and things that would go through the sculpture, which is where the kind of fire and earth came into it with the elements of the air and the water as well. So... Anne has the symbol of fire and Mary has the symbol of earth. So with Mary, like I said, she was struck across her back 35 times and so that she could hide kind of who she was. So the reason the kind of mountain earth symbol is kind of across her back kind of represents that kind of striking. Actually, all over her back where I've created it is really, really textured, but the rest of Mary is completely smooth whereas Anne again in complete comparison she's got the fire kind of symbol in the middle to show that she had fire in her belly and then her entire kind of form is all textured to show her unpredictability and that kind of coarseness that she had in her vibe and then kind of we wanted to try and show their love for one another so they're kind of slightly tilted inwards, kind of with their faces looking at each other slightly. And they're connected by their arms in that kind of sense of hugging somebody. And then to show their kind of love and maybe kind of passion, they're connected by their hips as well to kind of give that idea. And it almost looks like they're holding hands in that kind of sense. I, I guess as a youngster, like pirates are always really exciting, aren't they? And I guess like doing this project made me realise even more so than ever how it's always seen that like women are unlucky on ships. And to me, I never realised that this was a thing. I didn't realise that pirates were, could be female and run their own ship and be that powerful. So for me, it was just a huge eye opener just to realise like there's all these children out there that potentially don't know. And it's not just about being pirates, it's the rest of it. Like, women play football, women can be electricians, women can be whatever they want to be. And if we'd known that Mary and Anne existed years ago, would we still be on the same path? I don't know. I mean, Ellie, this is the coolest, this is exactly what our podcast is for, is to cause this ripple effect. Exactly. And I mean, I think it's so incredible that we got to talk to Amanda because I do feel like this sculpture itself is also like a huge part of that movement, right? And that like, I've, because I had seen this sculpture before we started this podcast. Like it was really online. Like, yeah, people were talking about it 
all over like Twitter and stuff. Like yeah. it's like a, a, one of those moments I feel like that had that brought Anne and Mary even more into the spotlight. Ugh. And so I love that like we are a part of that and that Amanda is a part of that. And we got to also like speak to her in this like larger context of like. That is so cool. Yeah, just like non non-men yes. <laughs> talking yeah. about the history that has been forgotten. Oh my God. It, it's just so cool. It's so beautiful. It's so, so beautiful. Cool. So that, I mean, that leads to the question, where is this sculpture? How, where do I need to book my plane tickets to go, to go see it? Amanda's going to tell us. Here, here's Amanda. So last November, it was unveiled in London and it went down really well. Everyone seemed to really like it, but that wasn't actually the final sculpture. That was a mock-up of it. So although my approach and my design kind of process is very methodical, we were actually intending to cast the sculpture live in situation, which would have been incredibly unpredictable because if we'd cast it, so like in the water or on the edge of a cliff, we'd only have one chance. So if it went well, amazing. If it didn't, that was still going to be the sculpture. That's what it was going to look like. So we were trying to kind of capture that unpredictability of them being pirates and that kind of vibe. Because, I mean, the sculpture itself, unless you know who the sculpture's of, you wouldn't necessarily know that they were pirates. Which is, for me, I felt was quite important when we were doing it. That was a huge thing that I, I didn't want them to have weapons or pirate hats or that kind of style. I wanted them to be just two people, really. And they didn't need to look feminine in any way I just wanted them to look like people like humans yeah so that was kind of the um what we were aiming to do but there was a little situation that happened we've ended up we're creating the sculpture at the moment the official one and it will be kind of revealed later on this year it was originally going up in Devon in the UK but some of the locals were a little bit concerned about pirates being in the area they didn't feel that that was part of their heritage so they didn't necessarily want this particular sculpture. They said that they very much liked it, but it wasn't for their local area. So the company that obviously had commissioned me kind of took a back step. Nobody, I don't think, wanted to put a sculpture somewhere where the locals weren't gonna, didn't want it or weren't happy with it. So we decided to kind of go on the journey of finding somewhere that they could belong and live happily. But in a turn of events, the people that commissioned me decided that they wanted to gift it to me instead. So we've now gone our separate ways and I've been gifted the IP and the sculpture. So I'm now the official owner of an extra bowl. So it's really nice. So once it's finished being made, which should be in the next month or two, which will be my final design. So what you saw in the pictures... I said it was like a mock-up. There's actually some small details that will run through the kind of concrete as it goes up. And different aggregates will be used to kind of portray each of them differently as well. So once it's finished being made, we are going on a small tour around the UK. It's about two confirmed places. And the rest is keep going. Do you think Amanda's just going to travel in her boat all around the UK with these like pirate statues? Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like an amazing, you know, tour and I, I want to go see it. Like I want to. Oh, yeah. I, I want to go check this out. Me too. As soon as we know where it ends up. Wherever it is, I am there. I also find like 
it's very interesting too to hear from Amanda saying, right, it was intended to go up, but the locals were concerned about it, right? It's just like sort of theme that comes up of like censorship, I guess, in a way of this stuff, right? Where it's like, even now people are like, oh, we don't really want pirates or women pirates in our town, right? Right. You're like, hmm. I'm sure they have, you know, interesting, nuanced reasons, but it it is like yeah. a bummer. <laughs> and I would want this statue in my backyard, but I live in Denver, so I'm nowhere near the ocean. So I don't think Anna Mary would like it there very much. Yeah, exactly. They need to find the right place for them as well. So I like that like Amanda's going on this journey to find this spot that really makes sense for the two of them. I can't wait to see it. I know. Yeah, wherever they end up, they're going to be happy because they'll be together. Anyway, here's here's some last thoughts from Amanda about you know what she learned from making the sculpture and where she hopes it ends up in the end. I'm not 100% sure. There's no like particular place that I'm like, I want it to go there. There's lots of places that I'd love it to go, but I guess I'm. it's more about what I learned from creating the sculpture and how it educated me into looking at kind of life a little bit differently, making me be a bit more open-minded and wishing that I'd known their story when I was younger. So I want to be able to educate people into these two people existed, especially in the world of kind of pirates. Like we all know like the Golden Hind, I mean, there's four or five different replicas across the UK are they telling the story of female pirates as well as the story of their male counterparts? I don't know. But things like that are really important to me. As well as, obviously, I've designed it to go in the water. So if there's somewhere in the UK that it can go in the water, <laughs> that would be fantastic. With planning permission, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so really it's just about making sure my design is kind of followed through and that it educates people and people kind of benefit from it, really. Maybe a small community of people or a small town that can kind of feel honoured that it's there and can create tourism and things for them to kind of give back to them, really. I think this is one of my favourite episodes ever. I just find it so fascinating. Number one, to get to talk to just like one person through the episode, even though, of course, I love the ones where we talk to a bunch of different people. But I just really feel like what Amanda said, right, about like, she didn't even know Anne and Mary before creating the sculpture. Yeah. Like, that's a problem, right, that we're trying to solve <laughs> and that that plenty of other historians are trying to solve of like, here, we need to learn more about these untold stories in history that most frequently happen to be women or non-male people. Yeah. And so... I just love that like we got to talk to Amanda after she had learned so much and really like appreciated the story of Anna Mary. I know. I find Amanda's work and the way she talks about it so inspiring. I mean, it just gets me so excited about, you know, all of the stories that are out there that, you know, can still be told and that, that we can still find and do justice to and make beautiful, beautiful art out of. I just I get so excited and I'm, I'm so glad we got the chance to talk to her. Me too. In the meantime, here's a taste of what's to come on Sweet Bitter. Thingy Sow, at the height of her game, had 1,200 ships and 40 to 60,000 pirates under her command, which is larger than most of the legitimate navies of her time. She made more money, she was active for longer, she 
came out on top and wasn't caught or captured. There is no comparison to any pirates that ever lived to, to Chingy Sao. Thanks for listening to Sweet Bitter. Our next episode will be released one week from now on the 10th of February. Surprise! If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us. It really helps, especially written reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash sweetbitter. Sweet Bitter is an independent production by me, Ellie Brigida, Elise Noor, and Lisa Charlotte in partnership with Three Springs Media. Our audio engineering is by Sarah Gabrielli. Our production assistant is Thea Smith, and our artwork is by Estella Illustrated. Thank you to our guest this week, Amanda Cotton. You can read more about our guests and where to find them on our website. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SweetBitterPod, or contact us on our website, SweetBitterPodcast.com. And the sea shanty for this week is called Fight Me, Duel Me, (laughs) written and performed by Elise with production by Joshua. my rapier and throw you overboard i'll slice you with my saber i'll stick you with my sword fight me do me only cowards run fight me do me i'll eat your guts for lunch i'll cut you with my cutlass you please i will ignore i'll pierce you with my pistol i'll stick you with my sword